you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. Beginning in verse 22, this is the reading of God's Word. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, You are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. They went to a remote place to kind of get away from it all. Jesus had just gotten word of the execution of John the Baptist, and he said to his disciples, let's let's go to a remote place. When they got there, they were met by a large crowd, and instead of Jesus sending them away, Jesus ministered to them. He taught them for hours. And then... When the disciples said, okay, they need to leave now, Jesus said, no, you feed them something. And Jesus performed that marvelous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children. After it's over with, the disciples said, "Uh, we want to get out of here. No, Jesus made them get into the boat and told them to go to the other side. Now, this is important because several of these guys were professional fishermen. Not all. Matthew was a tax collector. But several of the guys who are getting in this boat can probably tell that this is not the ideal time to cross because the weather is not looking good. Jesus made them 
get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, the reason that's important is because if you walk with God, there will be times when God compels you to do something that you're not in favor of. It's not something that you're, to use a country expression, hankering to do. Okay? You're not saying, boy, this would be a good time to cross the lake. No. Jesus made them do this. And he didn't say, just put out a little from shore. He said, you need to go there. He gave them a goal. He gave them a destination. And as the hours of the night passed on, it would become, in their minds, an impossible goal. A fool's mission. They are out in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. We're told in one of the other Gospels, it says they were a good distance here. They were three to three and a half miles out. Okay? Not sailing, rowing. The wind was against them. Okay? They'd had to sail up. They would have been back where they came from. So they've got the sails down, and they are rowing. Why? Because they're trying to do what Jesus said. They're trying to do what he said. He said, go to the other side. Well, we can't get there with the sail. The wind's against us. Let's row. They were rowing. Mm. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. John 6 says the waters were rough. If you walk with God, there will be times when he tells you to do something that goes against your flesh, goes against your logic, goes against your experience, but it never goes against his word. He will never tell you to do something that is contrary to the scriptures. He will not. Because God doesn't lie and God doesn't change his mind. But there will be times when you look at what God is calling you to do and you say it's impossible. Let's see if we can think of any recent examples in the disciples' life that would be like that. Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, you give them something to eat. And they said, Lord, come on. It would, it would take a year's wages just to provide everybody with one bite of food. Jesus said, well, what have you got? Well, Andrew said, is this one boy who has... Five small loaves and two small fish, but what is that among so many? Jesus said, bring it to me. They had already seen Jesus doing miraculous things that from a normal standard experience just seemed impossible. But it's not impossible with God. The first sign that Jesus gave in his ministry, the first miraculous sign, and he did so many miracles that John said the world couldn't contain the volumes that would be written if you tried to record all the miraculous things Jesus did. But the first one that he did was turning water into wine. How did he do it? He told the servants... 
to fill up these large containers of water with water. And then he said, okay, now take some of that and offer it to the master of ceremonies, the head waiter. Have have him sample that. Can you imagine how ridiculous that seemed? It wasn't like he said, go hurry into town, guys. Here's some money. Buy some more wine. Bring it back. No. He said, fill the containers with water. And when they obeyed, the miracle happened. Over and over, they have seen Jesus do things that just didn't make sense. So when Jesus says, get in the boat, go to the other side, and they're, but, uh, and he says, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Doesn't make sense. Going to be hard. Going to feel stupid. Going to feel exhausted. They'd, They'd already had a long day before he told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. But they obeyed. Sometimes when you obey, you immediately see God intervene and the Red Sea parts. But other times, it's like, okay, God, this isn't working. So it's the middle of the night. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Not walking on the shore, walking on the lake. And in Mark 6, we read that Jesus was about to pass them by. Now picture that. If anybody ever wonders whether Jesus has a sense of humor, okay, These guys are straining against the oars and he walks like he's going to pass them. What would you think? They said, wow, that is so cool. I didn't know he could do that. No, they thought it was a ghost. They're trying to make sense of this. And they're, they're looking and here comes a man walking across the water, well, people can't do that. You know, I mean, you know that, right? You can't breathe underwater without gear. And you can't walk on the water. Right? Everybody knows. But Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus can. So Jesus is walking by, and they see him, and they said, hey, no. It says they were terrified, and they cried out in fear. Now, I love the fact that the disciples are honest about themselves. They're honest about the fact that they often get it wrong. They say stupid things, and in this case, they did something that's embarrassing, okay? And and please don't think I'm chauvinistic when I say this, because I'm not, if you think about it, because what I'm saying is that guys do it too. They screamed like a girl. Okay? I mean, that's what happened. They cried out in fear, which doesn't sound like, 
Oh, it sounds like, ah! They were terrified and they cried out in fear. That's what it says. I love that. I love the fact that if I were writing that, I'd think, I don't know if I want to put that in there. I, I think I'd just say we were really scared. But the Holy Spirit inspired an accurate telling so that, among other things, we would know that these disciples were like us. And they were terrified. They were really terrified. And they cried out in fear. And Jesus, because he has that sense of humor that would make him want to just kind of walk on by, see how they're going to respond, Jesus decided he's going to play it up since they think he's a ghost. And he goes, ooh. Is that what happened? No. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. God will often put his children in scary situations, not in order to frighten us, but in order to train us not to give in to fear. Let me say that again. You need to remember this. Write it down. Learn it. God will often put his children in situations that are frightening, scary, however you want to phrase that. God will often put his children in situations that are scary. Not in order to frighten us, but in order to train us not to give in to fear. The world is ruled by fear. People make their decisions based on fear. They're afraid of what other people will think. They're afraid of what might happen if they do this. They're afraid of what might happen if they don't do that. They're afraid they might not be popular. They're afraid they might not get money. They're afraid they might not get the job or keep the job or whatever. I know a bit about organizations, and tons of organizations, sadly, have a lot of employees. Don't think I'm talking so much about you. You're a great group. But I've worked with and consulted with churches, missions organizations, denominational board, all kinds of stuff. There are a lot of people whose approach to their work is they're afraid they might lose their job and they need this job, so their performance is focused on trying not to lose their job. Okay? That, that's the way that tons of organizations operate. Okay? The employees are just afraid they're going to lose their job, and so they do this and they do this, and they don't do this and they don't do this, and they'll say this, but they won't say that because they don't want to jeopardize their job. That is not how you get the best performance out of an organization. If your goal as an employee, wherever you work, is to not lose your job, at best you're going to be a mediocre employee. Because you're just trying to keep your head down. Okay? You don't want to stand out. Because if you stand too tall, somebody's going to take your head off. Okay? So you just, you just try and fit in. Just do what it seems to do. I, th I think it looks like to me this is the way it goes. Well, so what should be your orientation? You should be working to please the Lord. 
Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Focused on the goal, we're going to get this done for the glory of God. And so you are able to share your ideas. You're able to do what needs to be done. You don't have to be in control of the outcomes. You're just focused on doing what you've been given to do to the best of your ability for the glory of God. Man, what a difference that makes. Thank you. Thank you, Where's Valley Ranch, for having a bunch of folks who are focused on doing their job for the glory of God. But I'll tell you something. The world operates on the basis of fear, not on the basis of faith. And these guys had to learn not to give in to fear. It's okay to feel fear, okay? If you don't sometimes feel fear, you're, you're either dead or an idiot, okay? Because we're wired for that. Part of the APGAR test that is given to infants when they are born is to check for a startle reflex, okay? Because if you go, and don't you do that, by the way, but if you go like this next to a newborn baby and the baby doesn't respond at all, that's not, oh, well, good, this is going to be an easy child. That's like, uh-oh, we better find out what's wrong. You understand? The startle reflex is something we need. That's why the doctor checks your reflexes by, you know, hitting the front of your knee, just below the patella. They'll hit it right there, and you're supposed to kick out your leg. Reflexively, we're wired to have certain responses to things. Jesus isn't saying you're not supposed to feel fear. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let the fear control your behavior. Operate on the basis of what you know, not on the basis of just what you're feeling. Is that clear? I hope so. I sometimes tell the story about when I was pastoring in Atlanta and been there a short time. The church was going through some tremendous growth, but we were also in the midst of tremendous growth expense, and the economy took a huge nosedive the day that we tore the facade off the front of the building to begin our new uh, doubling of the church's space and all this stuff. And I mean, the stock market just dived, absolutely dived. So I was trying to do some things to economize, like not wasting electricity. And as I left the office late at night, I was the only one in the building, I decided just to leave the lights in the hall off because I wanted to save electricity. And so I'm walking down the hall toward the exit sign, which was the only light in this long corridor. And as I go past the choir rehearsal room, I see that somebody has left all the sound equipment on in there. And I thought, well, that's going to waste electricity. So I'll go turn that off. So I stuck my key in the lock, and I opened the door, and I thought, boy, I could trip over a music stand, a piano bench, any number of things between here and there, and that would not be good. So I better turn on the light in this room. I flicked the switch, 
and I nearly had a heart attack. Because right next to me was a, a guy who was about my size, okay? And I went like this, and he did the same thing. I mean, he looked just as startled as me, because it was me. They had a full-length mirror right there, just inside the door, so that when they were about to go out on Sunday morning, they could check their stoles and be sure everything was right, and then they'd go on out and get up in the choir loft, and it was all very pretty. But, but when, when I did this, here's this guy, six feet tall, fairly muscular back then, and, uh, and, and, and he's standing right there next to me, and I mean, I was startled. And so I collapsed on the floor and went into the fetal position and just wept, and they found me there the next day. No. <laughs> Thank God I realized who that was, and I started laughing. I thought it was hilarious. And I walked over, and I turned off the sound equipment, and I came back, and I turned off the light, and I locked the door behind me, and I went out and got in my car and went home. Grateful. And I now have a sermon illustration. When Jesus says to his disciples, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He's not talking about what we feel, he's talking about how we respond to what we feel. Okay? Well, I think feelings are valid. Feelings are real, and you need to be able to be honest about your feelings, but don't let your feelings control you, or you will spend your life on a roller coaster. Just, terrible. But if you operate, if you make your decisions and you base your behavior on what you know to be true, because God has spoken, then when circumstances are really tough, you're okay. And when circumstances are really great, you don't make crazy decisions because you think it's going to be like this from now on. No, it won't. <laughs> it won't. So well, are, are you saying, so, so you never really enjoy the highs? I enjoy the highs. I'm just not crazy enough to think they're going to last. Okay? Whether we're talking economics or whether we're talking about emotions. A lot of up and down in this life. And if you're going to be steady and consistent, you've got to base your behavior on what you know to be true. And if you want to know what's true, study God's word. Jesus said, take courage. It is available. Grab hold of courage. Take courage. It is I. Why don't they have to be afraid? Because it wasn't a ghost. When Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples, they thought it must be a ghost because they'd seen him die. Jesus said, I'm not a ghost. Give me something to eat. Look, I'll show you. Okay? He's not a ghost. He's still not a ghost. Jesus has conquered death. He is alive. And he's here, and he's calling your name. Peter, never at a loss for words. Peter responds, and only Matthew tells us this. 
Peter responds, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Where did Peter get these ideas? Mount of Transfiguration. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for each of you. Okay? He's always got an idea. Well, Jesus said, come. That's all he said. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Peter actually walked on the water. How could he do that? We already said it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible if Jesus says, come. Jesus didn't make him a speech. He didn't say, okay, Peter, here's what you do. The technique is this. All he had to do was give him one word. If you base your behavior on God's word, the impossible can happen. So, Peter is walking on the water. He's coming toward Jesus, but then he gets distracted. Squirrel, if you haven't seen the movie Up, you've missed a blessing. When he saw the wind, how do you see the wind? The wind's invisible. Yeah, but the effects of the wind are clear. And this passage had already said that the wind was blowing and so the water was rough. So Peter is seeing the wind in terms of the waves. And in the midst of that, he gives in to fear. He was afraid. What did Jesus said? Don't be afraid. He didn't say don't feel fear. He said don't be afraid. That's when you let the fear control you. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, because he was a good Baptist, waited until Peter was completely immersed and then lifted him up. Is that what it says? No. No. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I love that. Jesus isn't out to give us a bad time. Jesus doesn't enjoy our suffering. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him and said, man, I am so proud of you. You did great. I mean, you, you almost made it to me. This, this is, you're something. Is that what Jesus said? No. That's what we would be coached to say, but it's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Oh, come on, Jesus. He was the only one who got out of the boat. Cut the guy a break. I mean, really? You, you're going to talk about him having little faith? What about the guys who are still in the boat? What's Jesus looking for anyway? It's the same reason God puts his children sometimes in the scary situations. He's training us not to give in to fear. And Peter is going to need more faith than this for what God is going to call him to. Peter is going to end up being horribly persecuted. Peter is going to end up crucified. And according to 
ancient church history, crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die in the exact same manner as my Lord. It's not in the Bible that he was crucified upside down. It is the history of the church. And I find it totally believable that Peter, even as he was about to die, would have something to suggest about the manner of his death. Peter is going to need a faith that doesn't give in when the circumstances change. Peter was going to have to learn not to be afraid when the situation's scary. And folks, if you and I are going to walk with Jesus, we're going to have to learn that too. So don't be surprised when God makes you get in the boat and go to the other side, even though it doesn't seem like the right time. Don't be surprised if in the middle of the night you're still out there rowing and rowing, even though you're exhausted and it seems pointless because the wind is against you and the waves are rough. Keep on rowing. Why? Because Jesus said to. You will find yourself thinking, how did I get here? Oh yeah, Jesus said. Why am I doing this? Oh yeah, Jesus said. How can I do this? He said, come. One word. That's enough. So, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Check the other Gospels. It says it stopped immediately. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. After you've been through some of the things God puts you through, one of the things you discover in a deeper way is who Jesus is. You will know him better than you did before you went through that trial. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and finally they got to rest. Nope. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. And people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Jesus was still ministering, still serving, still loving. There is one other detail that Matthew does not include, but I think is important for you to know. If you read the other gospel accounts, you'll find that when Jesus was up on that mountainside praying and the disciples were out on the lake rowing, they were totally focused on the task. And they could not see Jesus. But it says, Jesus saw them. I want you to know when you're going through a tough time and you're tired and you're frustrated, but you're faithful. He sees. He sees. He sees you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the God who sees. You are the God who hears. 
You are the God who loves your children. We're amazed by your grace. And we thank you that when we were your enemies, you chose to save us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much that now we have a new identity in Christ. And we have a transformed relationship with you because of you. Not because of anything we've accomplished, but because of what you have accomplished for us. Help us, we pray, to repent and believe the good news. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have anyone?